Hello everyone and thank you again for tuning in to episode number nine of the Don't At Me podcast. Uh, today is Tuesday, November 20th. I'm your host Drew. Uh, today we are joined uh, with Jason Brock and special guest Berto. Hello hey, Berto. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming over Berto. All right, so today we're going to be getting into uh, the fantasy debacle, the Kristoff versus Eddie debate. Uh, we'll do our uh, weekly fantasy review, uh, the basketball of NBA, and then we'll get into football, end it off with some coffee talk. All right, so, Berto. Hi, thanks, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, first time here, so I'm trying to get like the feels of it, how everything is, but just going to improvise and wing it. That, so That's right. We're just going to wing it here, so uh, we're going to start off today by asking you, Berto, if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? The number one animal that came to mind was a giraffe, and <laughs> I, no reason why, just I think <coughs> giraffes are very majestic, and they're just... <laughs> fun to look at you know go to the zoo watch a giraffe and you know when you do dead legs i mean have you had those dead legs after the gym you got those baby giraffe legs and i think giraffes are just majestic so that's what animal i would be what about yourself drew well me personally i'd have to go with uh the one <coughs> animal with no predators uh the animal that could age up uh to 100 years old uh as long as it's not killed, like I said, it doesn't have any animal or predators. It's the alligator slash crocodile. Yes, prehistoric creatures have been alive for millions and millions of years, and uh, they're just at the top of the food chain no matter what. Hmm. Brock, what do you think? <laughs> so for me, there's there's the one obvious answer. As as these usually go, there's one obvious answer. It's who's the top of the food chain? You say alligator. Wrong. Who's the apex predator? It is the lion. Who is the king of the jungle? It is the lion. What do they do? They sit around and they, they have their lioness go out and get them food. They have to do nothing. They sit there, they scare the crap out of people, and they're just honcho, they're the man. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you could, could justify any other answer be, besides the lion. They literally, they live the life. They, all they do, they show up, they mate, and they eat. Simple lives, but you know what? They pull it off. I, I mean, I don't know what else you could... I don't know what Jason could possibly say to change my mind. What, what's yours, Jason? Uh, I just want to say, uh, Brock, you are a lion. Um, <laughs> so my animal that I'd like to pick is a rhino. Um, let's go back to fifth grade. I did a report on it. It was a soft, touchy <laughs> subject on why I like rhinos. Um, other than that, uh, they can be used. So let's say you want to ride a rhino for a car. You don't need a car anymore. Um, they'd only, they only... When they when you get bothered... what. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't get bothered very easily, but when people do bother me, it's the same kind of mentality as a rhino has. They don't. They do their own thing, and then once people start bothering them, they get upset. So I have like a, a like a little. I can go side to side with them. I I feel like I can relate very heavily on a rhino. So that's my take. You know what, Jason? I think you just changed my mind, and I'm gonna have to go with the rhino also. Thank you. Thank you. Well. We'll get on to the fantasy debacle of the day. Another thing, just like a rhino that has a lot of rage. Uh, <laughs> does Kristoff versus Eddie debate the Ooh. tie of the century, or is it? There's still chance at a stat correction. Uh, as we know, they are both deadlocked. Uh, all the games are over of this week, and uh, everyone's pointing fingers at the commissioner to make a decision. So, uh, Brock, you ready to break the silence? 
So the silence really was broken earlier today. Um, due to my overnight schedule, I'm not able to respond to the group chat at 10 in the morning because I'm sleeping, <laughs> as opposed to all of you guys rambling, leaving me 150 messages to, to scour through. But here's the thing. We need to wait for Wednesday stat corrections to come through. Um, it's possible that Robert Woods' catch at the, in the fourth quarter for three yards was actually four yards, which he was initially granted and gave Kristoff the 107.7 to 107.6 advantage. But, I mean, this is, this is how it's been since we switched to decimals. We don't have a, a tiebreaker set. Um, there was conversation of creating the kicker as the tiebreaker, but that wasn't an option on the ESPN format. So right now we're going to wait it out. Um, the computer decided Kristoff as the winner. I can't exactly pinpoint the reason why they chose him as the winner for that matchup. Um, Kristoff has obviously mentioned every possible reason why. Not, none of them really add up to me exactly. I think if it's if it's up to me, which I guess it's going to come down to, I I think it should be a tie. But I don't know if the ESPN format will allow me to create a tie, in for this particular matchup. Throughout the whole thing, I feel like the end result is it is what it is. Um, we can't change it now. Uh, we just kind of have to live with it. Um, one thing that I had to say about this was um, you kind of take both sides. How would you feel if you're Eddie? How would you feel if you're Kristoff? And to make it fair for both of them, they both equal up to 107.6 with their starting roster. So I feel like if we had to go back again, I'd give them a tie too, but it is what it is now. Yeah, that was a quite interesting matchup. Like the, this, It was quite an interesting morning. Um, it got me entertained at work, you know, um, watching everyone's point of views, Chris's point of views. Um, Eddie didn't really, you know, give out that much um, input on his behalf, but, you know, uh, I agree with... Brock said, Jason said that it, I mean, it should end up in a tie because as I recall two years ago against Jason, um, I'm sorry, not Jason, Kristoff and Kevin ended up in a tie. However, there was no decimals and we had a look into the benching and that's how we decided the winner. I don't remember what, who won was, who the winner was, but today that's what we have decimal points and now <laughs> it ends up in the tie again. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to like prepare for future ties. But in the meantime, I think it should end up in a tie period no winner no loser both teams did their best part it should end up in a tie bottom line you know i i kind of have to go along the lines of that it has to stay how it is Kristoff gets the win and here's the reason why if brock rolled over the league the same exact league as he did from last year without making any changes to it which i believe he did not make any changes to there were we, no changes. We made a couple votes like before the draft, and nothing ended up changing. We kept the kickers. We kept everything. None of the scoring changed. Whenever there's a tie, the app decides what it decides. Like it, it, If it is the bench, which like Brock said, we can't pinpoint, then it— But most likely that's what it was. And, and if it is, then that's fine. But I know Kristoff's saying that he deserves to win because he has a better team. No, Kristoff. You do not deserve to win because you have the better team. You deserve to win because that's how the app determines a win in, in the event of a tie. Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, I've already looked into it. There's no way that I can make it a tie, which I think is what it should have been because we do not have a definitive tiebreaker. The app won't let me create that situation. So we just got to see if there's a stat correction and if we could have a rightful winner. Otherwise, it does look like it's going to be Kristoff for um, the victory this week. Uh, when was the other tie again? Can, was that two years it was, ago? It was two years ago before we had the decimal scoring. Brito uh, did text me about this earlier in the morning, and I do think that it was because... There was, um, I think it was bench scoring then as well. So I think it does default to that, but that's a terrible, that's a terrible tiebreaker, I think. And it's something we have to look, 
look to next season before the draft. It's something we're going to have to to make sure that we pay attention to and set, even though our decimal scoring is literally, if the, any other players had gotten one more yard, you know, the game is decided. That's crazy how that was decided by that, like the Robert Woods catch. If, yeah. If he hadn't done that, this wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, a, like, like an, a lame catch that didn't matter anything. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't even think they were going to throw it to him, honestly. Yeah. And then I saw on the screen, I was like, no way, did this happen? So two, so two years ago when that, or I think it might have been three, I don't know, I'm just saying two, when Chris Evan... Kevin ended up in a tie. The rule was there. There was a the there was a rule. It was set to where it goes to the bench. And in contrast to now, where Dan as Dan now took a screenshot. Yeah, I, right I looked into none. it. It says there's no tiebreaker, yet there is some sort of tiebreaker based on the ESPN system that gives him uh, Chris off the win. So while that's being settled, I guess we'll find out officially on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, like we were kind of mentioning, we'll get into now the fantasy review of uh, Week Eleven. Uh, starting off with Brock versus Daniel, um, I mean, what can you say? Daniel ran into the hurricane. Brock's been rolling. Um, you hate to admit it, but I mean, he he's really overtaking Christian with that number one spot. Um, Patrick Mahomes again, epic game against the Rams. Um, just proves to be the the best fantasy quarterback in the NFL. Um, I mean, although you know Daniel rolls out Drew Brees and he's having an MVP type season. I mean, it's Brees and Mahomes really for NFC MVP. Um, you move along, wow, James Conner really really doesn't do anything impressive, and Deion Lewis, who has been getting pretty hot, uh, kind of equals that out with the poor performance as well. Um, you move down, some pretty equal matchups, actually. Uh, you have the next two running backs, 13 and 14 apiece. Odell versus Larry Fitzgerald, 16 and 15. Then you got Diggs versus Brown, which is 25 and 20. It's really a close game until you get down to the tight end. Vance McDonald gets 10, while Ebron gets 0. Uh, that that had been a shock for Daniel. Uh, and then the flexes match up well too. 18 for on Johnson, or sorry, 16 for Johnson, 18 for Kareem Hunt, and then the defense. That's kind of where Brock gets the edge again. Pittsburgh gets 11, Baltimore gets three. So uh, Brock comes out with the big win, uh, leading in scoring again this week, 149 uh, to 114. Now we'll move on. Uh, Brock will preview my matchup against Kevin. Yeah, this was uh, Kevin was in a pretty hot streak coming into last week's matchup versus me. I was able to take him down. And he was looking to get back on, on track this week. Matt Ryan really had his worst game of the year in a great matchup. I thought this uh, home against Dallas, I thought this was a good matchup for him. He, he didn't get it done. He only had one touchdown, only 291 yards. He did have a pick as well. And uh, Drew, I mean, he, he puts out his, his daily driver, Aaron Rodgers, on a Thursday night. He just gets it done no matter what. He's, 20, he's walking 20 points. Like He wakes up, scores 20 points. Sometimes it's 30. That's what you get. Um, unfortunately for Kevin, there, it, the Saints game was a complete blowout, which game flows strictly to Mark Ingram, and he went off. He had he had 100 yards and two touchdowns, and when you got that going up against a guy like Jalen Richard, I mean, Jalen Richard had a good game, 10 points, but not much he could do. And then same thing with game flow. You get to Tariq Cohen, but when Minnesota was behind the whole game, and so the Bears didn't have to run the ball with their grinder, so Tariq Cohen, or they did run the ball with the grinder, so Tariq Cohen didn't really see the field, only four points. And, of course, Drew rolls out. You know, he gets he has the RB1, Zeke Elliott running out there every week. And, uh, I mean, just, just going crazy, 200 total yards and a touchdown, 29 points. Drew gets Keenan Allen with another big game, 19 points. Um, added Brandon Cooks for Kevin did leave this game for a little bit, but he still showed up eight catches for 107 yards. Devontae Adams did his thing. 21 points, but I mean, Drew's firepower top to bottom is really ridiculous. Um, 
But I mean, we, we, we address this, I think, every time with Drew's team. And Drew rolls out Trey Burton once again, and Trey Burton refuses to catch more than one or two balls. Um, just going down the list, his past, <clears throat> his past five weeks, he had nine catches. Then after that, he had three, two, four, and one. And I mean, I've said this the entire season. I'm skeptical of this move. Drew's, Drew's refused to move away from him. He is the number seven tight end overall, but I mean, Drew puts up 129 points in his sleep really these days with this team. It's a it's a solid squad, and Kevin Kevin just didn't have the firepower this week. So if I'm doing the math here, and I, I don't know if I'm doing it right, but if there's a 10 team league and someone's ranked seventh overall, wait, what? So you're saying not don't start him? You're saying, saying someone that, that you were telling me he's when a vol- I drafted he's a vol- him he's a vol- that I stole him from you. <laughs> he was a at draft. So you're gonna compare week week eleven I'm to not, draft I'm night. I'm not. I'm, I'm no, just you, saying. That's what you just did. But I'm not because he's proven to be a top ten guy, and no, he's, he's had a, a stretch of, of rough games, and and you know that might be something because of Trubisky. Extremely and, inconsistent. He had he had twenty three, then three. Yeah, then he's nine. inconsistent. But who do I? I don't have Gronk. I don't have Kelsey. I don't have Ertz. What do you? Exactly, I'm, I'm saying. Who, who am I working with? It, well, according to your bench, it looks like you are working. I had Jordan to, Reed. Yeah, you're trying to work something out. I so picked him you... up off the waiver wire. It was just a backup. Well, he had 16 points. Maybe if you listen, started I, him, I understand what he ended up with. So he... these type of decisions is the reason why you're not in first, and it, it's a, it's All a growth right. opportunity. All right, for our you. special guest Berto is gonna look up uh, Bobo <laughs> versus Jason uh, to move on to the fancy preview. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Uh, so this week's matchup, uh, Bobo. The former champion of last year versus Jason, uh, with a quite upsetting score of forty-nine point five to one hundred and fifteen point nine. Uh, what can I say? Uh, Philly. Carson Wentz. Very. Uh, I have to quote back to Brog. It was com- a complete shutout with Drew Brees. But come on, it's Drew Brees. You know, just got that rocket of an arm, just like Patty Mahomes, chucking it downfield to unbelieving Michael Thomas, who. Jason, I believe you have, or is it Drew? But it's Michael Thomas. Drew has him. Drew has him. But now it's currently Jason, correct? No, it's uh, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. They made a Whoa. trade. Yeah. It was Golden Tate and Cream Hunt for Michael Thomas. Whoa. Okay, I might have missed that one. But moving forward, yeah, complete shout out for Philadelphia and Carson Wentz with zero point eight point zero point eight, not even one point, and I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Three picks. Uh, and 156 yards. I'm moving forward to his running backs, Todd Gurley. I did notice that this morning that there were some stats regarding his. Um, he had a lot of twisted his ankle, and that uh, was very limited to Todd Gurley, and that's why he was very quiet the first half of the game. But I say quite an interesting game. It was like matchup of the year. Um, Joe Mixon, Michael Crabtree, you know, decent running backs uh, for Joe Mixon. He's the number one starting running back for the Bengals. Did overall great for you know one touchdown. Michael Crabtree for Baltimore, one yard, one one reception for seven yards, and Juju. Juju's always been Juju, you know, fourteen point four, hundred and four yards with no touchdowns, but you know did great. Jimmy Graham, uh, was this the game where he messed up his hand? Yeah, and he, then, did, he did break his hand in this game. Yes, and then I got the update that he has a broken finger, but I don't recall what finger, and he's gonna be out for a couple weeks. So Bobo's got something to look into to on his tight ends. John Ross, yeah, not bad. You know, got a touchdown, two receptions for 27 yards, and got the overall. Oh well, they lost actually against <laughs> Baltimore. So that it's always a good game, Cincinnati versus Baltimore. It's always like a little mini bloodbath between those two division rebels. Ah, 
Tennessee. I don't know what happened there. Negative four points against Andrew Luck and the Colts. Uh, I guess Andrew Luck is getting back into his rhythm as, after being made out of glass, just like Arian Foster, you know, getting rehab. He went to Europe, you know, to get treatment and whatnot. But I guess he's coming back. Bouncing the Andrew Luck and the Colts are bouncing back. I think they're on like on a four or five game winning streak. So it's looking good for the Colts. And Chris Boshwell with the two points. And now moving forward to Jason, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Mariota. <laughs> uh, this is the battle of the quarterbacks. Okay, this <laughs> quite interesting as well against, the, I mean, the Colts. So, you know, both both quarterbacks you would expect it to do at least decent, but both underperformed. Tavon Coleman, you know, you know, I like him. I like him a lot. I was surprised Drew snatched him very early. Was that first round, second round? But not bad against Dallas. <laughs> and Aaron Jones, two weeks in a row where he's finally broken off. Mm. And I like seeing those free Aaron Jones signs. And that's two weeks in a yeah. row where it's like Aaron Jones is finally freed. Back-to-back weeks where it's double-digit, 20-plus points. Tyler Boyd, not bad. You know, four receptions for 71 yards. Kenny Galladay. I remember last year. Is this his second year overall? Second yeah, it's his second year. year. Not bad. I remember he had a great game last year against I forgot who, but I guess he's looking good. He had one good game last year. <laughs> and I remember he was everybody was going after him on the waiver wire. But this year, I mean, uh, he's probably going to be the next man up next to Marvin Jones, considering that Golden Tate is no longer in the in Detroit. But Matt Stafford, I don't know. He didn't look quite that good himself this week, but I guess he's trying to adapt to, you know, the other receivers coming up for the next man up. Zach Ertz. Uh, this same thing, like 2.5, in underperformed. AP, still doing AP things. You know, what, 32, 33-year-old man, still running hard. And Chicago, what, the number one, top three defense probably? Top with one, yeah, number one. Yeah, number one defense. One. Oh, Khalil Mack, man, he's just putting 300-pound dudes on, on their back with just one hand. I saw those highlights, and it was unbelievable. And... Greg the leg, Greg Zerline, doesn't disappoint. Twelve points. So that concludes that matchup with the pink, the pink bunny, the champ, Bobo, and Lamar Odom, Jason. So moving forward, Jason is gonna speak this week's matchup. So go ahead. Uh, so last week's matchup, uh, Christian. <laughs> I gotta edit that out. Now. Oh, come on, bad. So okay, Christian versus Birdo. So Christian uh, was supposed to come in and win, which he did. He was, it was a line of 21 points. Um, he scored, it was a big separation further than that. Um, so he scored 147 compared to Berto's 96. Um, right off the bat, um, Cam Newton, hot, 24 points to Dak Prescott's 14. You can't ask for more from Cam Newton. He has been late. I mean, has been better of late. I mean, this whole season he's been better. And then, obviously, with a dual-headed... I say this every single week, guys. Every single week. Alvin Kamara and Melvin Gordon. Those guys are scary. I'm playing those guys next week. I'm scared. Good luck. I'm already losing. I already know I lost. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill, 38.5. The Rams had... Well, he, was, he was invisible. They, they couldn't find where he was. Yeah. And then T.Y. Hilton with 32. And then... <laughs> Team, I built to the 32. I had to read that again. I didn't know that, didn't know that either. My Aust- team still scored more. <laughs> oh my God. And then Austin Hooper with 4.7. I feel like there's better tie downs on the waiver wire. Um, but there's Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> Anyways, Tyrell Williams with 3.2. He had a couple games where he scored the touchdowns back to back. This week he kind of came down to earth. 
Um, and then his bench scored 73.7. That's kind of misleading with Jared Goff having 35 of those points. And then to Berto, he put a strong fight this week. He scored 96 points. He had Dak Prescott starting. Leonard Fournette's back healthy now with 21 points. Dalvin Cook, I don't know what happened there, but he's only scored .5. Um, and then Demarius Thomas. Well, I think he'd be a, have a big impact with the Texans, and he had zero points this week. Is he even a factor with the Texans' offense? I think Deshaun Watson has really struggled recently, and I think Demarius Thomas has just uh, been a part of that. All right, we'll look at Kristoff uh, versus Eddie. The very uh, highly debated matchup uh, ended in a 107.6 tie. They gave Kristoff the win, uh, bearing any changes tomorrow morning. Uh, so we'll start off. The uh, quarterbacks were pretty much even. Deshaun Watson versus Fitz. Uh, you got nine and eight there apiece. Uh, the running backs uh, was pretty much a push, but I think Eddie may have gotten uh, the lead there with Saquon just getting those three touchdowns, 142 rushing yards. My goodness, just ridiculous. Uh, Going to be a first-round pick from years to come. Uh, you get into the receivers, and uh, Julio Jones is, is putting up big yardage with another touchdown. Uh, and Robert Woods just very consistent and doing his thing. Uh, Mike Evans having a great game. Uh, really like Mike Evans. O.J. Howard, uh, going to have to move on from him. He's out for a while, it looks like. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I'm sure you're, you're wanting more than 12 points, but uh, you'll, you'll take what you can get. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that pretty much sums up uh, the matchup. We already really got into it uh, earlier, so we'll kind of move on from there. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of NBA now. Uh, the Warriors, a little bit of a dysfunction there. Uh, with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant getting into a little uh, in-game uh, confrontation, apparently they have everything uh, sorted out, but uh, there is an impending free agency that we're all wondering about with Kevin Durant, uh, and he's not giving up any signs of staying or leaving, so it kind of leaves us all just a question uh, whether you guys think he'll stay or go. Uh, so I'll pass this off to Brock. What do you think about this entire uh, Warriors situation? So I, I think that this is... Potentially some, I think Draymond senses that people are becoming complacent on the Warriors, even though they are in first place in, what, 10-4, and 11-4 this season. And, I mean, they're really burning through the league again. They, they know that they don't have to beat the best record. They don't need to be 72-10 and 10 or 73-9 again to, uh, to show that they're dominance. They have, they have to show that they're ready by the time the playoffs come around. Um, the West, too, is really everybody's beating each other up with, Teams top to bottom being pretty, pretty, relatively pretty good, you know. Um, Jimmy Butler leaves the West and goes back to the East, and that weakens the Timberwolves a little bit. But they've played well without him. But yeah, I think Draymond Green senses complacency. I think that Draymond Green sees that Kevin Durant has interests, more interests outside of basketball, as he does. But maybe that he doesn't see him pursuing in Silicon Valley, and maybe Hollywood is uh, what some people have been speculating that uh, he may want to go team up with LeBron, who is. Um, one of his good friends and a potential business partner that he's been looking to, to collaborate with potentially. So <clears throat> I think this is something Draymond just wants to kind of, he's, he's a confrontational individual regardless of who he's dealing with. And the players on the Warriors, they understand that. And that's just how he is. So I, I think this is no deal. Um, they're both great players. They're a great team. And I still strongly believe that they could run through this league this season. Jason, do you think that there's any real threats in the West? I mean, I know we, we have uh, Portland in first place right now uh, with Memphis and then Golden State uh, trailing them. Uh, do you think anyone here is really an actual contender? No one. I feel like it's going to 
the Warriors are going to figure it out eventually. It's a long season, like Brock said. Um, no one in the West honestly fears me. The Nuggets were hot at one point. They're trying to drop. Um, Lakers are heating up. And the Rockets, they turned it around. They won four in a row. Um, but as a threat, honestly, there's no one that scares me if I was a Warriors. Um, it's just they're going to, like Clay said, it's them that they're going to beat, beat themselves up. No other team's going to beat them up besides themselves. So they just have to get through this, um, put it aside. But like we all said, they are big divas and they're all uh, macho uh, alphas. So they do have to put it aside, but not, they shouldn't be afraid this season. My take on it, and I'll make it quick, is that I do feel like Durant's going to leave after this year and try to make a legacy somewhere else. Could be L.A., could be New York, who knows. But I think at the end of the day, they are going to get it put together. They're going to take this really seriously, especially around playoff time, and they're going to win that last championship before Durant gets out of there because everyone knows, Clay knows, Steph, uh, and Draymond as well. There's been a lot of rumors about Clay wanting to potentially leave to pursue that bigger role. I've, I've heard rumors going both ways, so you, so you really can't, I mean, put that, I, I can only speculate my opinions, and I, yeah. I, I can see Clay staying because of his loyalty to Steph. So you um, see Clay in the Warriors. staying, or KD leaving before Clay. I do, yeah, and, and, and I think it, it's not even close. Also, one point back to add is that with the coach of Kerr, he can definitely take the control of the locker room compared to other coaches. Let's say, for instance, Mark Jackson, Jackson was still there. This is totally. This would not be resolved. I feel like the Warriors would drop down. But with Steve Kerr as a coach, he he knows. He feels for the players. He once was a player. He once got punched by Michael Jordan. So I feel like he, if it's any coach, Steve Kerr can turn it around with these fellows. All right, we'll take a little look into uh, the recent happenings of the Los Angeles Lakers. They currently find themselves uh, in the as the eighth seed uh, with a nine and seven record. Um, they've been playing pretty well of late. Still losing some. Uh, games against teams that I feel like they shouldn't, but uh, how long is it that you can say that they're just trying to gel and get things together? Well, I think they're really starting to get together, but it may be too early in the season for LeBron go to go into full takeover mode. Um, he shouldn't have to do this for 65 games, you know, I and it's not, it's not ideal for his overall health, especially he is getting older. I mean, he's still playing at the top of his game, scoring 51 points the other day. But uh, you say that they're losing to teams that they should be beating, and 100% that game against the Magic that they lost was uh, unacceptable. They really got blown out and, and got really kicked out of the building early in that one. But that was really a trap game because they had a couple big wins in a row, and then they were forced to travel to the East Coast, kind of different time zone. Um, Florida, different weather, just a little things like that. It was kind of a – that was really a letdown spot for them. But, I mean – I'm happy with the way that a lot of the young guys are playing, even though Lonzo and Kuzma kind of haven't been living up to the hype recently. Um, they did have a good beginning to the year. Ingram's doing his thing, and defensively, I think the Lakers are really starting to step up and play a lot better. Well, like we said before, it takes uh, numerous games, especially with the new group here, especially uh, the youngs surrounding LeBron. It's going to take some time, and they're finally trying to figure it out. Um, there has been rumors about Bradley Beal, uh, possibly to the Lakers. What's your guys' take on that? I am a huge fan of Bradley Beal. I think his size for what he is, uh, being a, pretty much only a shooting guard, I think he has the uh, the length and the defensive versatility to, to be an ideal fit for any team in the NBA right now. He's obviously a great shooter. He can get to the rim. He's, he's, he's just a really great player, and I really like him a lot, And especially if there's that tension between him and John Wall. Um, I mean, John Wall just got his contract last year, so I don't, I don't see them letting up on him. Before Beal, 
I mean, obviously, like you said, Beal fits on any team. He's a great shooter. He's really athletic and a lot bigger than most people think. Um, but, I mean, if you're acquiring Beal, that means you're giving up the oh, some ma- of the young prospects. Assets. Yeah, major uh, assets. There, there's really no reason to go after him when there, you still have another offseason to, to gain another superstar. Um, obviously, if nothing happens then, uh, you could probably look into to trading the young guys. But uh, as of right now, I think standing, put, standing pat where they are, um, I think everyone kind of understands that wherever they get this season is just a, a bonus. Let's say they were to get Beal or any other big free agent during the season, it's not going to make a big difference. Just got to, like Drew said, wait till off season. Hopefully, Anthony Davis. I mean, we can all hope, but let's see what happens. Yeah, this is this is kind of off the cuff, but this is something I've really thought of recently. I've actually talked to Drew um, off the mic this uh, topic specifically. Is who who would you rather have for your franchise? Would you rather have John Wall or would you rather have Bradley Beal, Jason? Because me and Drew talked about this already. So there's different takes for this. John Wall, he's more he he's a scoring point guard, but he also likes to dish it out. He always gets assists. Um, but I feel like the biggest problem here is his mental his mentality. We've stated this before with Jimmy Butler. He has a mentality where he wants to win and all this, but his ego is too big for himself, and it's putting the team at a like bad environment. Especially what he told Scott Brooks. F you, what, it, what he said. It's it's bad. It looks bad. If you're not going to be a team player, you're going to have bad chemistry. I'd pick Beal over Wall, even though I feel Wall is a better player all around. I think I think I would pick Beal as well, and it's kind of ironic because you see John Wall every year is top five in assists, right. but he really is a selfish individual. He right. seems to be, even though like, his job is passing the ball around a lot. Yeah. When Brock initially brought that up, I didn't hesitate to say John Wall just out of like pure instinct. But when you really think about it, it is Bradley Beal. And the reason why is that uh, he has a way less chance of being a cancer to a locker room. The more that I talk about Bradley Beal, the more I think about him alongside LeBron James. And I can see them just being a crazy, deadly threat. I still don't know if I want to give up the young guys for him, but... Just, just in a fantasy land, that that would be amazing. Well, let's say, for instance, there was a trade on the board. Okay, Bradley Beal for Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart. What would you guys do? Pull the plug or leave as is? Well, I think the big debate for for every Lakers fan is you you're either on the Brandon Ingram side or you're on the Kyle Kuzma side. I if, don't know about that, just because they've been starting together. There's been a lot of Kuzma versus Ingram this year. A lot of that conversation. I, I do feel like there has been a lot of that conversation, so it kind of depends on what side you, you're on with that. Um, I, I think I think I'd rather give up Ingram and, and Josh Hart and, and keep really? Kuzma. Wow! Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, I'm I'm still on the the Ingram hype train just because of his his length and how he scores. He could do everything. Um, Kuzma, he's he's a good scorer, but they've played him a lot at the four this year. He gets he gets beat up at the four and the five every single game. He's not. He's six ten or six nine, but he's not big. The the Lakers shouldn't panic. The Warriors are still contending. With them being in the West, the Lakers aren't going to win anything. No need to no need to get rid of the young guys. That's my take. All right, we'll get into uh, the football segment of the podcast now. Uh, we're looking at uh, the big game of the week, uh, the game of the year, really that everyone's been looking forward to ever since both teams have started to get hot. The Rams versus the Chiefs. Um, originally slated to be in Mexico City, uh, had to uh, get postponed because uh, Shakira's hips uh, weren't lying the night before, <laughs> the week before. So uh, they they move it back to uh, L.A. Uh, so last night, 54 to 51, 105 points total scored. 
What do you guys think about this game, Birdo? Speechless. It was one for the history books. And yeah, the, the score itself, both teams scored over 50 points for a combined total of over 100. And like I stated in the group chat, the little fun fact that both teams scored 14 touchdowns overall yeah. in comparison to the Bills, where they only scored 13 the whole year. The whole year. And it's what, week 11 going into week 12? Yeah. So that's rough on the Bills, but just great offense on both sides, on both teams. Defense, uh, they're, you know, the Chiefs defense, I know Drew mentioned they're a little shaky. And as you can tell, both teams, um, both defenses were probably just decent but the offense were just a lot better and as you can tell the score 51 54 but that was one game for the history books considering that it was the first monday night game um being held at la coliseum so it's just more history in the making both um quarterbacks second second year coming for patty mahomes through quite a quite a few touchdowns but also some interceptions against his former team former chief marcus peters but he wasn't the one who sealed the deal, correct? It was the... Okay. He was the first interception in the fourth quarter. Yes. But overall, great game. Great Monday night game. It was a little longer than usual because the first half, flags going out here and there, here and there. That's probably how Clay Matthews feels, you know, every time they <laughs> throw a flag on him. So, but yeah, overall, it was one for the history book. So I'll pass it on to you guys. Jason, did you get a chance to watch this game? I sure did. Uh, I had to tune into this game. Uh, very hyped, and I lived up to the name. Um, this is the first NFL game, or in history, where the team was two sixteen to zero when they scored 15, 50 points. No team has ever lost, and the Chiefs ended up being the first one. And I say, guys, what a battle! This is going to go into the history books, U.S. history. In high school, they're going to talk about this game. The high school teacher's going to be like, oh, wow, did you watch that game? This was a battle of the bone. Um, the Rams, the defense at the end, there was this, I don't know the defense player's name, but he had more touchdowns than Gurley at one point, overall, actually. Um, but the, this was a good win. Um, I'm glad the, the vibes in L.A. were all it was. It was very hyped, and the whole city of L.A. was live last night. Yeah, I think something that um, is really going to understate it is Pat Mahomes had four turnovers in this game. Um, it was really the first time where he was that frustrated or frazzled by a defense. And people talk about, you know, Todd Gurley for MVP. They talk about Jared Goff for MVP. They talk about, um, obviously, Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes for MVP. But Aaron Donald is being overlooked consistently. This guy is making plays. He had two strip sack fumbles that led to touchdowns in this game. He's the reason why they won. Um, in a game like this, you can't turn the ball over. Be- giving the ball to the other team is why they lost this game. Four, t- four total turnovers. The last interception was kind of – it was just a terrible decision. It was a garbage time throw, really. It was a, it was a last-ditch ditch effort, and it was just a, b- a bad throw all altogether. But Pat Mahomes had another pick where he didn't – he refused to set his feet before he made the throw, and it was really just a lazy throw that bounced right into Ibakum's hands or whatever the guy's name is, and that was a pick six. Um, the Rams really took advantage of the short fields. Goff was nails in this game. I thought the receivers played really well. Um, Goff had a couple overthrows, but, I mean, the Rams looked like a better altogether team in this one. The The Chiefs really, they have, they have liabilities across their defense on each level. I don't see 
that that type of that type of play is not going to win any any Super Bowls. Even getting to the Super Bowl, I, I don't know if that team could could stop a. They didn't stop Brady two weeks before. So and something interesting too is two weeks ago we talked about the Rams versus Saints game. Is the creativity like watching these two teams? It's not like it doesn't feel like you're watching standard football. You know they they have the three wide receiver sets where they spread it out, but they have guys lining up every which way. They have people running behind the line of scrimmage, looking like virtually like a. Uh, the arena football league where they're running before the ball is snapped, but because they're behind the furthest back, it's a legal move, but just uh, innovative, fun, ecstatic. Um, it's, this is the reason why people watch football. Yeah. And I know with a game uh, with that many points scored 54 to 51, the first thing that doesn't come to mind is defense. But if you really put a microscope under it, uh, the Rams needed to get to the quarterback to win this game. And they had to, deteriorate that offensive line and that's what they did the first three quarters yeah, they, beat them up. they broke them down and then in the fourth quarter you, that's when you see all those turnovers you see the strip sacks that might have seen some in the third quarter as well i can't remember i was a little too excited but um the defense really showed up they showed that they they had the better stamina and uh, obviously you see aaron donald just put giving it all he's got they always run the ball on the opposite side of him um there, there's really no getting around like four quarters the rams are going to beat you up uh, regardless of, of the stat sheet and how many sacks people have, uh, they're going to get to you when it matters, and, and that's why their record is what it is. Even though Aaron Donald does lead the league in sacks. <laughs> well, I understand that, yeah, but no, I, right. I'm saying the yeah. team as a whole. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously a ton to talk about. That really was a historic game and, and really fun to watch, uh, regardless of what side you're on. How, um, how ironic was it that Marcus Peters ended up picking it off, being the last? Yeah, that that really was the pick that sealed the game. I know it didn't definitively end it, but that pick was huge. That was a, that was a great play. Yeah, after, after he's been he's been picked on for three weeks in a row, really. Yeah, considering yeah, it was like the first pick, right? And the second pick looked exactly the same as the first one from Marcus Peters. I was like, wait, is this a rerun or a replay? But really, it was the same. I mean, it looked like the same play, just different player who intercepted Patty Mahomes so with that trade a couple weeks ago with Dante Fowler what do you guys see out of him has he lived up to what they thought he was going to bring in or has he still been complacent or I feel like uh you know he's he's gotten one-on-one opportunities he hasn't necessarily been productive in terms of uh physically sacking the quarterback but um like Drew said the Rams they use all four of their guys to to beat up that offensive line to get him in the fourth quarter um it's it's hard to pinpoint with the team like this, like each of these guys are getting double teamed between Sue and Donald, um, virtually on every play. One one of them's getting double teamed, and Fowler's just trying to take. He's getting more QB hits as opposed to sacks, which does add up though throughout the, throughout a game. Yeah, I have. I mean, it's it's hard to see individually, you know, what he's done just from my perspective. But I I have heard that they they might have plans of uh, signing him to a long term deal. So maybe that kind of tells you how his performance has been. So um, ho- hopefully a, a bright future for him in LA. Uh, all right, well, we'll go on to uh, a topic of the NFL this year. We're, we're going on week 12. Uh, so we want to look at who's the most disappointing team of the season. Uh, I, I want to pass it off to one of you guys, but I don't because there's an obvious answer here, and I'm going to say it first. It's the Jags. Oh, easily. Right? Easily Can we Jags. all agree? 100%. I, I have to just, I mean, that's one team, but I have another <clears throat> team in mind. Okay, well, we know the Jags. Obviously, they signed Blake Bortles. Uh, it, it was kind of a you know, you got to do it kind of contract. It, it wasn't, they weren't uh, tying the ball and chain to him, but uh, they, they gave him what they had to. Uh, really hasn't done what he needed to do this year. Um, defense obviously has not lived up to what it needed to be either. 
Yeah, last year Clay's Campbell was Defensive Player of the Year. He, uh, he but he's getting old. He's a big guy. Um, soft tissue injuries and lower body injuries really add up for players like that. Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye haven't been strictly shut down, like locked down, unstoppable. Can't throw the ball to their side corners this year. Um, their secondary, Barry Church and Tayshawn Gibson, haven't necessarily played up to it. They lost a key piece in Paul Puzlunski, Paul Puzlunski who uh, retired this offseason, um, which, you know, call it what you want, but he was a key part of their defense. I think that he led him in tackles the past couple of years, um, really leaving it up to uh, Telvin Smith and, and the other young linebackers to take over that role. And they did give, give Blake Bortles that one-year prove-it deal, kind of roughly $17 million, I think, maybe a little bit more, but he, he showed in the playoffs that he can win games. He beat the Steelers um, using his legs a lot. They have good weapons on the outside. They drafted DJ Chark, I think, in the second round. Um, they don't even use him. They have, uh, who'd they pay? Dante Moncrief. They paid him $10 million a year. Wow. They have D.D. Westbrook, who who was a, he was the, the Blitnikoff winner his last year in college. He kind of shined a lot at the end of last year. He's shown okay flashes this year. Keelan Cole was supposed to be a, a, a bigger piece of this puzzle this year. But, I mean, Fournette being – their best player, Fournette, has been out for most of the year. This team is, is not built to pass the ball whatsoever, and Blake Bortles has proven to be a liability in the defense. If they're not completely shut down, this team isn't going to win. Yeah, I agree with um, Drew and the Brock here. Um, the Jags being one disappointing team in comparison to what they were last year. They were a championship team. They were a quarterback away from winning the, winning the championship, beating the Patriots. But this year was quite an upset. However, against the Steelers this weekend, uh, it was in quite an interest, interesting matchup, wouldn't you say? I mean, they were up 16-0, but defensively, they kind of just blew it against um, the Steelers and ended up getting the loss this week. But, yeah, like I remember two years ago, they were just two or three years ago, all they were doing just just drafting defensive players. They were building an army, getting stacked. And, yeah, they were one of the hottest defenses in the league until – I don't know what happened last year that just slowly falling apart. Blake Bortles ain't living up to the potential he's supposed to and might have cost him the team. And like Brock said, Leonard Fournette, he was down for most of the year, and I know that pain. And you know, coming back now, maybe it's going to be a turnaround, but I think it might be a little too late because considering what the record uh, I is. I think they lost seven in a row. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, they had the chance this weekend and two weeks ago before their bye week against the Colts, but it was uh, late turnover that cost them the game in Indianapolis, which gave them their fourth or fifth winning winning uh, winning streak in a row. But as for the Jags, that's one team that's kind of disappointing. But my number one team is obviously everyone can agree on the Bills. That's obviously disappointing because, but in comparison to the Jags, what they were last year, nah. So, uh, Jason. so I do agree with you guys with the Fal- <coughs> I mean with the Jaguars, but another team that I like to see as uh, Atlanta Falcons. Oh. Um, they are very disappointing, guys. With their offense, Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones, they did have a Devontae Freeman, but now Tevin Coleman, Matt Ryan, Steve Sarkeesian. How do you guys not win? Four and six. This should be in the top of the pecking order this year, guys. They're, what is going on? They're, they're probably in one of the best divisions in the entire league. They have the Saints. They have the Panthers. And, I mean, the Buccaneers have a high-powered offense. And That's a scary they, division. Yeah, they haven't. They don't have a cakewalk of a division. They're four and six, and I don't think that compares to the Jaguars being two and seven in a cake division, where they have the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans. Like, I mean, I don't. I don't. I think this is two totally different things. Both disappointing, 
But Jaguars just take the cake in that one, in my opinion. Thank you, gentlemen, and thank you, Birdo, for joining us uh, on the podcast. You're going to be involved in your first Coffee Talk session. Coffee Talk, thank you very much. All right. Jason, what do you got for us today? All right. So I got some NFL trivia for you guys. I know everyone likes NFL. So first question, what team drafted Brett Favre? I'm going to go Packers, Raiders, Falcons, or Vikings? I know the answer to this, actually. Um, so you should go last. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, so I should go last. So, Berto? What were the options? Packers, Raiders, Ravens? It's Falcons, Packers, Raiders, Vikings. I'm going to have a dumb research, but I remember the Packers, they that little whole bit of him answering the phone call, you know, at his house. It might have been the so, Packers. So Packers for you. All right, Drew, what's yours? Uh, this is an interesting turn of event right now. I... I I'll be honest, I don't know, but I'm going to say that it was the Falcons because okay. I could see him in that black Falcons jersey. Well, let me let you know, Drew, you're correct. It was the, <laughs> it was the Falcons. Uh, I, knew it. I, I know this for sure, 100%. Jason, confirm my correctness. He is true. The sources are right this week, guys. What, what pick was he when he got drafted by the Falcons? Um, I don't remember the pick, but he did get drafted by the Falcons first and then traded okay. over to the Packers. Okay, so the second question is, this should be off the bat. This is recent. Who was the first openly gay player drafted by an NFL team? Uh, Ray McDonald, Dave Copia, Michael Sam, or Jerry Smith? Michael Sam. Yeah, it, it, it was Michael Sam. The Rams drafted him as a pity pick in the sixth round. <laughs> it's the big MS, Michael Sam. Yeah, that, that's the answer. Okay, so you guys are all correct. That's one easy question. All right, a little fun fact over here for you guys. So it's a question. How many weeks did the regular NFL season last in 1992? I know none of you guys know this, but this is fun. 19 weeks, 17 weeks, 16 weeks, or 18 weeks? I'm going to say 18 weeks. I remember some, being something like that. I'm going to say 18 as well. 18 just sounds like a good round number. I'm going to say 17 weeks, Jason. <laughs> Drew, you're wrong. The other boys are right. Yes. yes. High five. Brock and Birdo. All right. Double B. Next question. <laughs> All right. So question number four. What team was originally named the New York Titans? Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans, New York Giants, or the New York Jets? What was the question? What team was originally named the New York Titans? It's the Chiefs, Titans, Giants, and Jets. I'm going to wing it. It's either between the Jets or the Titans. I'm just going to go Titans. I feel like that's too obvious, but Jason is somewhat of a troll with these games. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to go Titans. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take the Giants, and I, I don't remember what the question was, but I'm the Giants. You guys are all wrong. It's the Jets. New York Jets. Oh, yeah, I, was gonna, I was going to say Jets. Yeah, it's very odd, but it's that's what it says. All right, so this one should be fairly, I don't know, depends on your football knowledge. So what team won three Super Bowls in 1990s? Patriots, Cowboys, 49ers, or Broncos? Birdo? Give me the Niners. This was the 49ers, the great Steve Young, Jerry Rice, um, unstoppable. The 49ers. The Niners. So you guys are all wrong. Oh, it was the, oh it was no. The Cowboys. 49ers the only won two Super Bowls compared the to the Cowboys three. So in the 80s, it might have been the Niners, right? Yeah. Yeah, you guys were like, a, a little decade too. Yeah. Right. Okay, so last question. Um, 
I remember this year actually. I was a kid when this happened. Who was the first African American head coach to win the Super Bowl? Art Shell, Mike Tomlin, Tony Junji, or Fritz Pollard? Wait, Tony Junji's black? <laughs> okay, uh, I'm just gonna my Tomlin. I'm, I'm against the Cardinals, so I'm gonna go my Tomlin. It was Tony Dungy. Give me the Dunge. All right, the the Jenkins brothers are right, guys. Colts. Yeah, so Mike Tom was the next one after that. So Tony Dungy was number one. All right, well, that concludes Coffee Talk, guys. And that subsequently concludes the podcast. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. I want to give a quick shout-out to two people who uh, rated and reviewed the podcast. You know, this is big for our growth. I want to shout-out James Lagunas for his rating and review. It was a five-star review. Much appreciated, James, as well as Quincy Gabby. You know, um, when you're able to work this close with great people, it's uh, really good to show appreciation for quality content. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get better every day. Um, again, thank you guys for having me. My first debut here with the podcast at Don't At Me. So thank you again, guys, for having me. I really like this. So I enjoyed the semi, so I'll probably be here again. I'm going to have a consistent goodbye and a good uh, a hello. <clears throat> so it's going to be, hey, I'm not Canadian, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Bye.